From the Future Sickos podcast. I enjoy watching hockey, but I also enjoy winning money watching hockey. If you would like to have the chance of winning thousands of dollars every week, sign up for DraftKings account using promo code THPN. What is up, Ottawa Sanders fans, Twitter community, Derek Lee, Jack Richardson, and our very special guest today, Jacob Bernard Docker. How are you doing today, Jacob? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm wondering uh, how, how your summer's been so far. Are you Have you been out in the mountains? Have you got out in Kananaskis country at all? Did Any sightings of uh, of the boss in, in Banff, the big old grizzly there? Or? Yeah, yeah, I was back home um, living in Cochrane uh, right now with my family. So obviously pretty close to the mountains and city at the same time. So I, I just train in, in Calgary area at the Edge School where I uh, went to high school there for a year. And then, um, you know, every weekend I usually try to get out in the mountains, like you said. And I uh, did a lot of hiking and stuff like that this summer with my family. So it was awesome. Any, uh, any big highlight hikes? Like was, was there like, did you like Tent Ridge at all? I know that was my favorite when I was out there, but any... Uh... Any big ones? I did um, the tea house hut or the tea. Oh yeah, <laughs> hike at uh, Lake Louise. I think that was probably the coolest one that I did. Like just in terms of scenery and getting up there and eating up the eating in the tea house was pretty cool. And then uh, hauling is a staple I always try to do. So I did that one as well in Canmore. Man, I love that. Um, like the story of like Helling Peak. It's uh, apparently like there was a um, like a man of like Chinese descent and he lived in, in Canmore and he like worked there and he was like, yeah, like I can climb that mountain and in, in two, two hours and 15 minutes. They're like, no, you can't. And then he like hiked up it and then everyone like watched him and they're like, Oh damn. And then they named it after him. It was named something else a little more derogatory before Helling peak. But, um, but yeah, no cool story. Nonetheless, you probably story, didn't need to know that. Funny. <laughs> Anyways, um, so mo- moving on to maybe something that uh, a, lo- a little more people are interested in. Um, so to, to get things started, I was wondering if you could walk us through what it was like to play in your first NHL game on April 14th against Winnipeg. Um, and especially because it was kind of a, a unique situation since you found out, what was it, like an hour or a couple hours before that that uh, Zaitsev wasn't in and, and that you were coming in and playing. So um, I just I wanted, wanted to know what that feeling was like to to realize your likely your largest childhood dream. And then I'm also curious if uh, if any of the boys broke out any uh, rookie initiations on you at all. Yeah, I guess I'll answer the last part there first. Nothing yet. Um, obviously, this year is my would be my rookie year and stuff. But um, so I haven't had any of that yet, but looking forward to it should be fun. Um, but yeah, for my first game, it was awesome. I think, uh, obviously a little bit weird, like not having the fans there or when I came out, but, um, everything else was, was so good. And the guys were awesome in the room. And uh, I never saw, you know, I was pretty, obviously pretty nervous. And, um, I think it might've been, uh, it was either Norris or Formington. I forget who said it, but they were like, um, same game, different league. And I was just thinking, I was like, <laughs> like that's, you know, it's kind of a joke, but, uh, <laughs> you know, because obviously it's a very different league, but uh, it was pretty funny. And, that you know, I kind of settled me down a bit and just made me realize how lucky I was to be in that position and stuff. But, yeah, I found out, uh, yeah, it was like an hour and, an hour and a little bit before the game that I said was out. So um, pretty pumped and, um, you know, definitely got a little nervous when I got the cap. Yeah, definitely, definitely different league, eh? I love that. That's it's like one of those cliche, but yeah. you know it works. And I mean, like you, you definitely didn't look out of place. Um, at, at least from my perspective, and um, from a, a lot of fans' perspectives, at least from from what I've seen. Um, so so that was pretty awesome. Was it like, like what what were you feeling sitting on the bench? Like were your legs just jello before you went out for that first shift, or were, were you pretty pretty uh, cool, calm, and collective? I feel like you're a pretty cool, calm, and collective guy. Yeah, I think on the outside, I probably looked pretty calm and collective, but on the inside, obviously a little more jittery. And like, I think it was, it was honestly just like, yeah, the first or second shift that I just was pretty nervous. I was like, just, uh, you know, keep it simple here. And then, you know, after the first period, I came out and it was just settled in and, and kind of figured a few things out and got used to the speed of the game. So it was kind of good from there on in. All right, JBD, uh, welcome to the show. 
Uh, one of the things we like to lead the show on uh, with is is jersey numbers. This year, you happen to change your number to your official number, uh, number 24. Uh, just curious why number 24 is important to you. Uh, fellow right shot defenseman Chris Chelios played, I would say, your style of hockey. 1,651 games played in the NHL. Not a bad little NHL career. Um, just curious if there was a, a Chelios inspiration behind your jersey number or if it was perhaps something else. No, honestly, I uh, I don't know. I've never really been, like, attached to a certain number. Like, I never really cared growing up what number I got. And then I think it was midget. I was 12. And then when I got to junior, someone already had 12. So I was just like, yeah, I'll double it to 24. And then it's kind of just stuck. And the funny part is that, like, when I got to the Sens after um, my junior year in North Dakota last year, I went to 48, and I didn't even choose that number, so it just doubled again. But, um, yeah, obviously, tw- I like 24 a little bit more. So. I wonder if you'll ever make it to 96. Just just keep, just keep throwing it up there. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, thanks for coming on. Awesome to have you. And I'm kind of curious with this one, and I'm sure a lot of people are too, because in the last few years, you've hit a lot of milestones, I guess, in a player's career, you know. Um, I'm just curious about what, to this day, is your favorite hockey memory? Like, does it date back to sometime in minor hockey? Does it have something to do with, uh, you know, the World Juniors? That's obviously a big one, or getting drafted. I'm just curious what your favorite memory to date is. Yeah, that's a pretty tough question. I got a lot of awesome memories, I think the cap for me right now would probably just be winning the world juniors. I think that's something that as a Canadian kid, it's just kind of like nothing beats it really. Um, you know, obviously winning a Stanley cup and stuff like that would probably top it. But at this point, I think that was definitely my, you know, coolest accomplishment was, was winning that with my team um, in Australia there. But I think if I had to point out like another memory, it'd probably be um, my freshman year in North Dakota playing in Las Vegas against the Gophers. Um, I just remember that atmosphere, like, it was like none other and um, just a sea of green in that arena. And uh, I remember waking up from my nap and looking outside my hotel room and there was a massive tailgate going on in the parking lot and just everyone wearing green. It was, it was pretty cool. Man. So like, obviously like I've, I've been to a few uh, like college football games and I, I, I think the tailgate is, is more of the highlighter. I think it's kind of like the only thing I remember actually, I don't really remember much of the game itself, but is this, is it pretty similar? Like for obviously North Dakota, massive hockey school um, going, like going to games there. Like what, what's the atmosphere? Like, like does the town just shut down on game day? Like for a big day? Like, is it, is it just like a, a massive thing as well? Like where there's like tailgates and everything for it? Yeah, there's not usually, I don't think there's really tailgates for the hockey games. I know there are, for, it's more of a football thing, I think. Like, there was with our football team that we'd do tailgates, but um, for hockey, it's just, yeah, just the town's buzzing that day. And I don't think I ever really realized how busy it was until um, I wasn't playing in a game. I think it was my sophomore year, I was injured with something. And so that was my first time going to the rink and, um, you know, kind of showing up for game time to watch the guys. And, like just seeing how insane the town was and trying to find parking. And I don't, I don't think I ever really realized, realized it because I always got there two and a half hours before the game and was playing. And then by the time I got out, everyone was gone and stuff like that. So um, that was definitely a pretty cool perspective. And then, you know, I sat in the stands that game and just how rowdy it was to actually be with the with all the fans. It was pretty cool. So uh, definitely a, an atmosphere. It's pretty, pretty tough to be. Were there any fans trying to like buy you beers or anything like th- that that recognized you or were trying to get you going or, or were you able to kind of go pretty incognito? No, not that game because we kind of you kind of um, you know sit higher up where I guess most fans wouldn't uh, wouldn't sit where they kind of have a, a section reserved for us. But um, I remember when I was in Vegas when, for my freshman year that game um, against the Gophers. I think it was two nights prior to the game we went to uh, a Vegas Golden Knights game. And I, you know, I always knew North Dakota fans were like awesome and, and super passionate about the team, but I guess never really understood until I got there and we were at the Vegas game and I was about to go pay for, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what I was buying, something in the intermission, like a chips or a hot dog or something. And um, one of the Sioux fans came up from behind me and just tapped me on the shoulder and gave me their card and was like, here, use this, I got you. And it's just pretty cool the, the support that you get and how people recognize you was, was awesome. 
have you had any encounters like um like from sense fans yet like have you been have you been around and been stopped in cochran or, or anywhere like walking down the street like i mean um i i i guess like it's it's something that kind of just turns out and and the more that you play it's it's just a reality of it but has that kind of like sunk in or, or been happening more often now yeah, here and there, I guess. I mean, I'm obviously not a you know a, a huge household name, but I guess you know some people definitely recognize me around. And actually, there was actually a guy on one of my hikes this summer, and it was actually going up a lane uh, that was from Ottawa. And I think I had an Ottawa backpack on hiking up there, and he he recognized me or whatever, and was like JVD, and I was like, how's it going? And he had, whatever he explained to me that he's from Ottawa, so that's pretty funny. That's sick. Yeah, it's funny. There's I have I have buddies like that too. Like we'll be like having beers or something or, or like out somewhere like we were at the Eric Hells concert and like my one of my buddies was like I can't remember who it was it was like well that's Michael McLeod I was like what like I was like sick man he's like yeah like three back I was like you go say hi like <laughs> but yeah um so like proper question that I have for you now so I'm I'm wondering so I know this like this is a pretty typical question and likely one that you're probably getting tired of hearing as a player who's looking to establish himself full-time in the NHL However, I'm curious if there are any areas of your game or your development that the Senators coaching and or development staff have asked you to focus on that will help you secure a full-time NHL spot sooner rather than later. Um, and if there are like what, what kind of like you focused on this off season to help yourself improve in those areas. Yeah, for me, it was like when I had the puck, I, it, it felt pretty normal in terms of game speed and stuff. And um, you know, one thing that I've been working on and, is, is definitely like my pivots and one-on-one situations like guys are so much faster at, at taking you wide and being able to cut to the net so just pivoting and and going back for pucks and you know not really gliding and just going back as hard as i can to create some more time and space because guys are so so uh so good on the forecheck and you don't have a lot of time and then um just kind of box outs in front of the net i think obviously moving up levels is a bit tougher to move guys out and, but yeah i think for for the most part it's just kind of defensive stuff that just tougher when you move up levels and guys get a little stronger and faster. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also probably interesting too, because you were coming in from like playing a full season. So you were like, kind like you were in game shape, right? Like you were ready to go. Like you'd already been going, maybe, maybe beat up a little bit, but um, so it's, it's also probably a little different, like approaching it um, for like a new season, like, like you're starting off there and, and hitting that, like that full speed uh, tempo, like, I mean, as, as intense as hockey gets. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and this this is kind of my first like full training camp, I guess, because in college they don't let you go just because of the NCAA rules. So I've obviously been to development camp and that stuff, but um, this is all yeah, kind of a new experience for me. So, uh, Jacob, you played with uh, two fellow top sense prospects in Jake Sanderson and Shane Pinto at UND. Uh, with Jake, he seems more like a classic sort of pucks in deep, get more traffic in front uh, intermission interview guy. And with Shane, um, you know, possibly the complete opposite, maybe more like Brady Kachuk. Uh, I'm wondering where you stack up in terms of hockey cliches. Uh, so let's give it a shot. Um, so, Jacob, you guys are trailing by a goal going into the second period. Uh, what do you guys need to do differently here to get things going offensively? <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably a pretty cliche guy. Um, down boy, down by goal. I think uh, I think you just got to press. I mean, at that point, um, you know, obviously you're still still worried about you know keeping your own insecure and stuff. But um, you think you need got to get a little jump and jump in your step. Um, you know, coming off from the, the intermission and um, you know just get pucks to the net. I think that's definitely a cliche. <laughs> I kind of have a ad lib to that too, like. I just thought of this when you're doing a intermission interview or even a post game interview, how often does the coach's message just get relayed through the player? Like, do you worry about saying something wrong that the coach doesn't agree with in your interview? Because I feel like that would be a huge aspect of being a player in those interviews when you don't have much time to think and you're just kind of getting questions left, right and center. I think you just try to answer it honestly. I think that's really all you can do. And, um, you know, you definitely try to really like the something close to what the coach is saying, you know, because that's, you know, obviously a, it's a team sport and you want to be on the same page. So I think usually you are relaying what the coach is saying most of the time, at least. And um, but, but yeah, obviously you want to be honest and upfront at the same time, because if not, it's just a you know, pretty boring, straightforward interview. 
I was talking to Wally and he said that that is hands down the worst interview in hockey. Like, like he's like, the players hate it. I hate it. Like no one wants to talk to me. Like they, they just want to focus on the game. Like they don't want to focus on this yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah. I uh, can't even breathe too. Right. Like in, in the intermission, every time they do it on the TV, like a guy's gasping for air. Like he just came off the ice and he's trying to like, you know, give his two second interview. Like we got to get, you know, more pucks to the net guys in front of the net. It's just, it's kind of funny to me. That's why I wanted to ask it. So another one I had, uh, cause Derek brought up, uh, Sanderson and, and Pinto. So when the rebuild for this team started, it was a big note was made of, we're going to get a bunch of as many prospects as we can and as many picks as we can. And now we're starting to see everyone kind of come into their own and push for spots on the team. So, I'm curious as to when you started to think about who the team was bringing in and who you need to, you know, down the line, I guess, beat out for a job or who you need to learn how to play with and stuff, because you were drafted in 2018 and it's been over three years now. So I would assume at some point along the line, you were starting to pay attention to what kind of players they were bringing in. Yeah, a little bit. I think, um, you know, as a player, you're definitely like aware of it, but, for me, it's not like focusing on, oh, I need to, you know, beat this guy and beat this guy and, you know, all oh, this guy's better at me than this. And, you know, I'm better than him at this or whatever. I think it's just, I got to find my role and, and, and be able to, to crack the squad at some point. So it's not about, you know, comparing myself with all these other guys. I think it's, you know, it might sound cliche, but actually just go out there and just worry about myself. And as long as I'm getting better every year and improving, I have no doubt that, you know, I'm going to be able to crack that roster. Absolutely. A, a lot of people, I mean, myself included, we've talked about it on this show, but a lot of people see you as a, like almost a perfect compliment for Thomas Shabbat. It's something that, you know, as a Sens fan, we're looking at, and for years now, it's, it's almost like we're trying to find that right compliment. Um, not to put any pressure on you ahead of the season. Cause I pressure. think, you know, we, we see that sort of down the road and, and that's, you know, where we're at in terms of, you know, where the senators are at right now in rebuild you know, everything sort of down the road, but it, it's sort of getting to that time really soon. So I just thought I'd point that out uh, for you. That's, that's kind of where Sens fans are, are slotting you right now. Yeah, man. So no pressure, Jacob, but the entire Ottawa Senators fan base is counting you as the, as the pairing for Thomas Shabbat. who's <laughs> pretty, pretty decent guy. I, he only plays like 30 minutes a night. So that's all you'd have yeah. to do too, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> pretty easy playing with him. I know I had a few shifts there with him when I came out, um, came up last year and it's pretty fun. So, um, you definitely don't got to worry about a lot. Just give the puck to him and kind of let him do his thing. With that being said, actually, um, it kind of leads into my question and it, it's, uh, from a, from a fan perspective, just kind of more like of a personality standpoint, we look at this group of dudes being dudes and guys being guys. And like, it really does just feel like it's just like all these guys who are just having so much fun, like just, just hanging out. And um, I, I'm wondering, like, obviously with COVID, it, it probably affected things a little more because like you weren't really able to like interact quite as much a, a, as you would in another year, which, which is too bad. But I'm wondering if you could speak to the closeness of this group at all. And if that's like translated into you feeling more welcomed, like when you, when you came onto the the roster and like, if there's anyone in particular who might've like reached out and, and really kind of like seemed like they made an effort to, to make sure that you felt like you were in place and, and, and like that, that you uh, were, were one of the dudes that could be a dude. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely, definitely like that. I mean, there's so many, so many young guys that are, you know, right around my age. And um, that definitely helps with, you know, a little chemistry and just kind of have the same interests and stuff. And even the older guys are like awesome about it and uh, super good guys as well, but definitely having guys around your age helps. And um, I, I had a bunch of guys reach out to me when I first signed and they knew I was coming up, like probably like, honestly, like seven or eight guys. So um, definitely, you know, a really welcoming environment. And, you know, I had a ton of fun while I was there for the, that five weeks or whatever it was. So I'm, I'm curious as well, what was your living situation like? You, you said five weeks. Were you like um, based out of a hotel mostly or like what, what did that look like? Did you bunk up with anyone? Um, well, I, me and um, Pinto had to do that two-week quarantine when we first got into Canada. And then um, after that, I was lucky enough to live with Shabbat and his girlfriend for, for the rest of the time there at their house. And um, Pinter lived at uh, Colin White. So um, they kind of took us in and 
you know, treated us really well. So we were lucky. You must have That's been unreal. absolutely sick of Pinto. No? <laughs> <laughs> no, Pinter's an awesome dude. And we, we had a lot of fun in college together. And, uh, you know, to kind of be taking this next step together, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, maybe in the hotel, I got a little sick of them with, with that two weeks just together and hanging out in our rooms. And uh, But no, it's, uh, it's been a blast. What do you guys do to awesome. pass the time? Any like Harry Potter marathons or anything? Honestly, we, we, we usually woke up, went down to the cafe, ate some overnight oats there because they were really good. And then um, we were able to work out um, in this conference room uh, where, where Belleville actually worked out the entire last year because of COVID or whatever, because they couldn't utilize um, their gym because they were based out of Ottawa and stuff. So we worked out there and then the rest of the day was kind of up in the air. We were watching all the Sims games that, would, that were on at that at that point. Um, you know, when dinner time rolled around, but not a whole lot. Um, finishing up school. But oh yeah. Uh, are you yeah. are you graduated? Like have you no. like, like are you have one one more year, right? Yeah, I've got one more year and I'm I'm gonna take a few classes this year, but I, I don't think I'll finish right at the end of the year. Maybe by next summer, but But you plan on finishing? Yeah. Awesome man. All right. Uh, one of the things that uh, Timmy Stutzla became known for is his god awful tape job last year. We also learned that Josh Norris likes to have like long pregame nature walks. Um, obviously, with those guys, it's hard to criticize sort of whatever they're doing because it's obviously working. Uh, I'm just wondering if you have any weird pregame rituals or habits that uh, that we might find funny. Or uh, better yet, like what's the oddest, weirdest pregame ritual you've seen over your hockey career? Yeah, for me, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, I think the only thing that you know might be a little weird is I, I go out on the bench and listen to "Only Time" by Enya, um, and just kind of visualize. And I don't know, it just kind of puts me in a, a calm mood and just ready to go. So. Um, I can't. I don't know if I can really think of anything that that other guys do that's that crazy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I know some guys like to go on walks. Um, I think I remember Connor Brown giving Nick Paul some some uh, some shit for you know walking his dog the day of a game and saying that he's wasting <laughs> energy. And you know, for Paulie, it's kind of just like getting outside and getting fresh air. So a lot of guys do different stuff, but it's you know, at the end of the day, it's whatever works for you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think everyone's got their own little superstitions and that, that listening to music, I guess, kind of puts you in the, um, just gets you in the right mindset, right? It doesn't even matter what the song is. Um, I, I had a question again about kind of the, the situation at UND and everything and how, you know, you guys went to a fifth overtime. And I think that was the longest game and, NCAA history I might be wrong about that but you guys went through a lot together and I, I think a lot's been made about how you know whatever, whatever it was four or five of you were Sens prospects I'm just curious what the other guys on the team thought about the five of you or the four of you being all Sens prospects and stuff and did they did it ever get a little clicky a little bit I have, I have no idea I'm just curious if it was a talking point I'm sure it was at some points right I don't think it, it never got clicky. I think guys are super good about that or we're all teammates and at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter where you're drafted. You're, you're on a team and you're going to bond together no matter what, but definitely a few, a few chirps, you know, when we're watching TV or something and, you know, one of, one of the guys teams is maybe struggling and, you know, there'll be some chirps lying at the dinner table and we're all together and stuff like that. But um, no, nothing, nothing clicky. And um, yeah. When you like, and, I mean, even since then, like I saw, did Jasper just get signed as well? Like, um, just like a few weeks ago, right? Or yeah, was that news? Like, it seems like, um, I mean, it's got to be what close to nine, ten guys now that you played with that have signed like entry level deals, which is almost like unheard of. Like, I, I guess like unless we're looking at Michigan yeah. this year, but like, um, but but yeah, like that, that's that's really incredible. And I mean, like it seemed like you guys were were like were so tight and obviously like you were there for for long, like three years as well so you, you would have just been even closer with everyone so um 
yeah, it must've been a, a, a cool experience. How was, how was leaving? Like how difficult was it to make that transition from you play that like, yeah, longest game in tournament history. You, you probably like got that IV hooked up to you in that like five overtime game. And then you, you end up like just, uh, just having that, like that emotional roller coaster. And then you have to realize that like, you're, you're probably done playing or like you're done playing college hockey and you're going to make that, that trek to, to Ottawa. Like, what was that like emotionally? Yeah, it was definitely a, like you said, like a roller coaster of emotions. I think like a lot of my teammates after that game were just kind of, you know, stuck in Grand Forks and kind of debriefing for that week after. And, you know, it's pretty tough waking up after that loss. So I think for me to, to kind of continue my journey and be able to come to Ottawa definitely just helped on the mental side, just kind of focusing on something else after that, that heartbreaker. It's obviously a game that, you know, is, is in the back of your mind for a long time and, you know, you're playing through all the situations, like what if that would have went in or, you know, what if this would have, you know, all those what ifs. But um, for me to come to Ottawa, it's just a, a new journey and kind of a new start and, um, you know, something that kind of helped me take my focus off of, off of that loss. Were you in Pinner's ear at all? Like being like, Hey man, you better come to Ottawa with me. Like I, I got, I got quite the track ahead of me. I'm catching like four different planes and <laughs> driving. <laughs> No, I mean, I obviously let him do his thing, but when I found out that he was coming to, I was pumped. So um, just to not have to do the quarantine alone and to have someone I know going in there definitely was really nice. Awesome, man. Well, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on to the show and, and uh, yeah, taking your time out of the day and good luck. Like what, what's uh, what's your schedule looking like now when, uh, when are you going to be back in Ottawa? It's got to be coming up pretty quick. I'm actually in Ottawa right now. Oh, so, um, <laughs> Yeah, I got here last week and just training with some of the guys right now that are in town. Um, and then I've got development camp starting on this Saturday, actually. I'm getting put in the hotel. I'm just staying with some family friends right now. But, um, yeah, I think me and a few guys um, don't, like, we got to be there for development camp, but we're kind of just going to skate with the, the pros. Um, cause obviously it's, it's a bit of a weird year, like development camp wouldn't normally be at this point. It'd be mid summer. Um, but we kind of just talked with some of the, the development guys and just, cause we got to do rookie camp as I got to do rookie camp as well. And then main camp. So it's, I gotta be, I'm gonna be around for dev camp, but I don't know how much I'm actually going to do. And, um, just gotta do the fitness testing and stuff and get that out of the way. And then hopefully just be skating with, with the boys that are in town. So I didn't even know there was going to be a rookie camp. Was that a little, did I miss that or, or is that not news? No, I'm not so sure. rookie camp, I think, starts the 15th to the 21st. And we play uh, we play the Montreal rookies twice. Right, okay. Yeah. Nice. So it's, it's just like uh, Ottawa versus Montreal. Like it'll just be the two teams for that? Yeah, just, just us two. And then obviously we will have some practices on the days so that we don't play them. But yeah. Sweet. Nice. Well, it's good that you guys are at least getting that. I, I like, I know we were talking to like Jesse Winchester a, a month or so ago and just like not having that development camp, like when it usually happens, like after the draft, it's, it's kind of, it's tough too. Cause like you want like all the guys to be able to like meet and kind of get a little closer. Right. Like, especially like, I don't know if Tyler Boucher will be able to make it for, for that. It's probably a tough year because with quarantine or maybe not even that, but just yeah, like no, with, with getting into the grind. college guys. I don't think any of the okay. college guys. Oh, so, so made. Jake won't, won't be there either then. No, it's literally just, that's why it's kind of a weird year, especially, I think it's just a, like the major junior guys and yeah. So it's, it'll be like a smaller camp than usual, I guess. I Awesome, man. Well, good luck with that. It sounds like your, your legs are going to be getting, getting some, some work in, in the next few weeks. And, uh, well, you'll definitely be ready to come, come, uh, the season, but good luck with everything. Thanks again for coming on, man. Always a pleasure to be able to talk to you. You're, you're a great guy. Um, and, and, and it means a lot and, uh, look forward to, to watching you this year, um, wherever it is and, and continue to watch you as you transition into a full-time NHL player, something that we're all, all very, very keen to see. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. All right. Thank you. Talk later. See you, buddy. Bye. All right. And that was the JBD, the one and only. So thank you, Jacob, for coming on and and doing that. That was um really awesome. I I love talking to that guy. He's he always like he he's 
he's a great you can tell he's just a like good person <laughs> just by talking to him like you just tell he's just he's definitely just raised right and he just he just is is a is a good dude good good canadian boy you could just tell eh? he he's uh <laughs> i like how we would mention a couple things and you could tell he's just thinking about stuff he can't really mention and i like that part of it you know he's just smiling thinking about the group and i think that was the my most uh my favorite question of the thing is about the camaraderie that's being built in that dressing room and you could just see the look on his face like everyone's having a good time and um it's just encouraging to see and he, yeah he's a great guy awesome for him to come on yeah you could tell he's uh definitely more of a pucks in deep kind of interview right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh but a, a lot of fun nonetheless and he he had some really nice things to say um and yeah i think you know that's the type of person like we talked about with jbd that to me would be a perfect sort of calming pairing for Thomas Shabbat. Well, it sounds like he absolutely loves playing with them. And and I, I can totally see why. Like, um, and yeah, no, I, I do think that he just compliments this game so well. I think that that's a big thing is whoever ends up playing with Thomas Shabbat is going to be able, or it's like, should be able to also chip in offensively because uh, Thomas just creates so many plays and so many opportunities and we've seen that jbd has an absolute cannon of a wrist shot like there, there's no denying that so um it, it could be really interesting to see like that dynamic pairing and and what they could bring and uh, jbd is kind of one of those defensemen i think when you watch he's easy to not notice if that makes sense and, and I've, I've heard many times before that that is the sign of a good defenseman you shouldn't you shouldn't be noticing a, de a defenseman all the time if they're doing their job um because quite often when you notice a defenseman it's because of a turnover or that they're um slipping up but i think he plays a really sound game and he he does a really good job of just kind of being that um just just doing what he's supposed to be doing and being in the the right places and doing the right things yeah absolutely he's he's also a hell of a puck mover like you know, that's the other part to his game that I think is a little bit underappreciated maybe to this to this point anyway. And I think Sens fans will see it as we uh, as we move forward and get to, to see and know JBD a little bit more. But uh, he's one hell of a puck mover. And I think I think his offensive game, too, is a little bit under underappreciated. He mentioned sort of working on his pivots. And I think he meant probably the de defensive side of things and uh, and just pivoting, you know, in transition. But uh, one of the things I noticed when he was playing for UND is is some of those spinorama moves, like, you know, right off the blue line. Uh, kind of like what we're seeing Jake Sanderson sort of start to do now. Um, but I kind of wonder if he learned it from JBD a little bit. Yeah, North Dakota's got the spinorama drills going every practice, I guess, eh? Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's he's honestly the perfect stay-at-home defenseman kind of mold, right? You need a puck-moving stay-at-home defenseman. And how rare are those? Like, you go around the league, and I bet you want – Every team maybe has one of those, if that, you know, it's usually a puck mover or stay at home, not both, but you're right. I think he's uh, like a hybrid. Yeah, exactly. And he's going to be, it's so easy to see, especially when they played a couple of shifts together. He is exactly what Shabbat needs, you know, obviously in due time, but um, not to put pressure on the guy, but like <laughs> he doesn't even need pressure. He just, he, he said it himself. He, he felt calm in his first NHL game and he, looked pretty calm i thought too i think it was a little a bad game for the team if i remember correctly but yeah he's uh he's on the right path and i i didn't get to ask him i was gonna ask what his goal is for the season just kind of you know basically kind of hinting at are you gonna start in belleville or in ottawa but you know i think the writing's kind of on the wall he's probably gonna end up starting in belleville but man we have all the time in the world to to wait pretty much like give or take pretty probably hopefully well, we have enough time one thing I want to say, like, I, I really, really appreciated the way that he answered uh, your question, Jack, of of like kind of how he feels with all of these other players that are getting drafted and coming yeah, in. And, yeah. and and I really I like that he like he doesn't he, he's not a cocky person. Like no. It, no, no one's looking at this kid and thinking he's cocky because it's, he's just not. But like to have the confidence to be like, I just know that if I work on my game, I will be an NHL player like that's something you need if you're going to play in the NHL. Like, like you need to have like that belief in yourself that like 
as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, I will be out there. Like I, I will make this team. And it, like, that was cool to hear because like, you got to wonder like what goes through some of these players' minds. And I mean, like, I'm sure he does get other thoughts, but at the end of the day, like that, I, I truly believe that that's what he believes. And, and that, that speaks volumes. And like, that's, that's what you want in, in players. That's the kind of guy that I want to root for at least. Oh, absolutely. And I thought it was, it was kind of funny. I took a, a bit of a shot with the uh, Chelios thing, thinking that, you know, maybe he models his game after Chris Chelios a little bit, because he does have a little bit of bite to his game as well. Um, and I think he tries to play that way, but, uh, but nope, <laughs> not That's at hilarious. all. He just uh, <laughs> randomly picked number 12 one day and then doubled it to 24 and doubled it to 48. <laughs> and then divided I I was, by two. <laughs> I was curious if... 24. <laughs> divided by two all sorts of big math guy jbd big math guy <laughs> big math guy i'm so D derek i know you're you're gonna have to run off here in in, in a bit because um i know you have uh some other commitments but i i just want to touch on it uh just just before you take off so it looks like september 3rd 2021 will forever be known as drake day and it depends which Drake you, you want to put that emphasis on. I, I know which one we care about more at least. Um, and it is such a, such a kind of like, can we talk about timing with what was going on Twitter that day with um, maybe some rumors about some frustration regarding the Brady Kachuk camp. And then w within like, what, what was it like it, two hours tops? The, the announcement comes out of the signing, the perfect signing, the, the perfect amount of term, uh, incredible, incredible value in terms of money, like something that we, I think, have been manifesting or hoping for for the last three months, four months, probably in in this Drake Batherson deal. And I, I just want to we'll start we'll start with you, Derek, just your thoughts on the deal. Um, I, I think I already know the answer to it, but let's hear it. Hey, uh, first off, thanks for calling me because I was stuck in Toronto traffic, like absolutely fuming at the the rumor you're alluding to um in regards to brady's contract you know put out by simmer i don't think we need to hide sort of behind that because we know he's been sort of actively um at least talking about you know the contract from perhaps from kachuk's camp and, and that's uh, you know time for another debate but uh but the drake batherson contract um when you told me the aav over a six-year term, I mean, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal value. There's no other way to look at that. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, just the the Kotkaniemi thing, um, first off, which is is hilarious in itself, but you look at, you know, a player that's going to make $6.125 million this year, and you look at a Drake Batherson, you know, a player who's quite capable of scoring 30 or more goals every season and producing 60 or more points every season. I mean, we, we can't undervalue his playmaking ability, his ability to enter the zone on the power play. I mean, he's the guy to do that. Um, he's just, a, he's a phenomenal talent. Um, he's found money, you know, a player that they got in the later rounds of the draft uh, to get a player locked up for six years like that. Um, I think I, I mentioned on the day that he signed that it can have a ripple effect on the team, you know, much like on the contrary, you see with, uh, with bigger contracts and the ripple effect that they can have and we always use the, the Toronto Maple Leaf example, you know, when they got John Tavares and just that ripple effect that it had after that contract. Well, the same thing can be true in the opposite way. And with Drake Batherson signing for 4.95, you know, does that have any impact on Brady's contract? It, it potentially can, you know. Now, if you're paying Brady, you know, even $8 million, you're looking at what Brady's production is going to be, which is, I think, fair to say similar to what Drake's production is going to be. Um, you know, you, you could argue that Brady's going to probably wear the C and, and have a little bit more uh, of a team impact in various different ways. But uh, the Drake Batherson contract, that's a phenomenal bit of work by Pierre Dorian Jr. there to, to get that done, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love the contract. I don't think anyone hated it. I think it was literally, like you said, Brennan, perfect. It was to the T what the team needed, what the player needed. The big thing though, I think to play devil's advocate a little bit, there's two things. One is the same thing happened with Colin White two seasons ago. He signed a six-year deal around the same cap hit. So do we need to be a little skeptical, I guess, maybe, but obviously Batherson's a different player than Colin White. Batherson didn't have Mark Stone to to play with that one season. But another thing that is important to consider is the 
cap hit versus the actual salary of the contract in every year. So, you know, at the beginning, he's going to be making 2.5 million this season, but then by the end of it, he's making 6.5 a season. So in a way for Batherson, this is kind of like a bridge deal in itself, if that makes sense, because he's starting off low and then he's getting higher money towards the end of it. The important thing though, for the Sens, which is really good, is that the cap hit is 4.9 the entire time. So while they do owe him that money, they get they, they use the cap hit right now to get to the floor, which they still need to do. Uh, and then towards the end of it, if they are cap strapped, which they might end up being, um, it won't impact them that much. And hopefully Batherson is still a top six forward or even a top line forward at the time uh, this deal expires when he's 30 years old. Uh, so this is just a win for all parties involved. Um, and like you said, could not have come at a better time based on what was floating around on twitter.com. Yeah. So I, I, you brought up, you brought up two really good points. So with the Colin white, um, comparable, I, I, and you, you even said it as well. Like, like Drake Batherson is not Colin white. And I, I, I really like that. He's making like, what is it? Another $200,000 over Colin white, because he's, I yeah. think if it was anything under that, we might've been like, huh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but, but Drake has proven that he can drive a line at any level. Like he he's gone on. And like you said, like Mark's like Colin white was playing with Mark stone and like Brady has never, or sorry, uh, Batherson has never had that opportunity. He's never been in a situation where, I, I mean, he's, he's playing with good players, but they're young and, and they're all figuring out their game together. They're not 80 point NHLers yet. So I, I think that um, it, it really, it speaks volumes. He's exceeded in every single league that he's been in um, since, since the time of being drafted and just before being drafted, he dominated the queue, dominated the world juniors, dominated the AHL for two years. And then he came in and, and had what, like a six game uh, goal streak going in the, in the NHL and looks like he's probably our best power play guy right now. I I think I could honestly say that. Like, I, I truly believe that he is. And I know that Pierre Dorian Jr. believes that he is a top line right wing. And I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think like he probably believes that already. I know that I think that he can definitely grow into one. And um, I've seen the comparable before or like kind of a rough estimate for how much contract should be. And kind of the rough thing that I I try to keep in the back of my my mind is $100,000 per point. So if you're if you're putting up 80 points, $8 million is a reasonable contract for that player. That, that makes sense. Obviously it's going to be different for defensemen than forwards, unless you're Eric Carlson, but, um, but, but that's kind of like the comparable that I like to use. And I mean, if we're thinking that Drake Batherson is, is like only needs to like, I say only, but if Drake Batherson's putting up 50 points a year, he's earning that contract. Well, I mean, I think that there's going to be a lot, like quite a few years in there where it's closer to 60, 65, maybe even 70. And, I think it's going to turn out to be maybe one of the best deals in the NHL. I will be bold enough to say that if he turns into what I think Drake Batherson will turn into, I think this could be one of the best deals in the NHL three years down the road. I I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, my fear originally, we brought up Colin White. My fear was that the senators were going to have that fear um, in that, you know, Colin White had one successful season under his belt. They signed him to a long-term contract. I'm glad that that wasn't the case, that they they didn't have that fear with Drake Batherson. Um, and not to not to sort of crap on Colin White either, because I think he's still a young player. And he could still, I mean, especially this season, looking at the center ice position, he could still very well be sort of playing with re- really good players this season and and have a maybe, maybe not a breakout campaign, but have a, a season that, you know, definitely looks vastly different from an offensively productive standpoint uh, than it did last season. Um, speaking of RFA contracts, there's one major, you know, order of business that's still out there and, you know, we wouldn't be a Sens podcast if we didn't touch on this. So, um, let's, let's hear your guys' thoughts on where we're at with the Brady Kachuk contract and, and sort of where you guys see this thing ending. Um, and hopefully the end is in sight soon because training camp is starting very soon. Uh, I think it's going to end soon. I think, you know, the longer it goes, obviously the more nervous everyone gets, but Someone tweeted out before any of the RFAs had been signed this season. They, I think it might have been even you, Derek. I can't even remember, but pointed out the timeline of last year's RFAs and how once one domino fell, they all kind of did. 
afterwards. It was all in the span of like three weeks that they all got signed. Um, so I, I do think that this is what's happening. I think in the last month they've signed every RFA pretty much other than Mete maybe a bit earlier, but I, I do think it's coming. And I think all the stuff that, you know, Simmer has been putting out there, you know, I no one's discrediting him. I think he generally, that he wouldn't just say that, you know, um, I do think though that his most recent tweet that was out today was just saying that, like, I, I saw that as a bit of a backtrack, a bit of a backpedal, because he's saying, okay, once Kachuk's in the city, that's a good sign. And, you know, every player is already here. And I think it was Lillian's Martian who had that buddy in the airport do some undercover CIA work for him. And I guess Kachuk's on his way to the city. Like, it's just all this stuff that is, it's the the stuff behind the scenes that we don't need to see, but we're starting to see it because everyone's going crazy about what he's going to do. But then it was the, the uh, Elliot Friedman on the 31 thoughts podcast that also came out last night. Uh, and he said that he didn't say that he had heard. He said, I would be shocked if they didn't offer Brady the same deal as Shabbat eight by eight. And then that was paired with what Simmer had said about them not receiving a legitimate offer. So it's obviously contrasting thoughts because they both can't, they can't both be true because if Kachuk doesn't think that that's a serious offer, then that's, and like, that's on him, right? So, you know, the, the one thing yeah. I'll say before Brennan gives us his thoughts too, is that, you know, this league perception of Ottawa not having great fans or what, whatever that is, I, I find it hilarious, you know, because it's almost like we're doing a Kawhi Leonard thing. Like we're literally <laughs> tracking this guy's plane and, you know, that's the extent and, and that, that's the importance of this contract. And I think it's, it's just hilarity that uh, the league perception is that Ottawa doesn't have any fans, but anyway, go go ahead, continue. I was just going to finish off there quickly with like, I think he is going to sign. If it's a long-term deal, this team is legit and they are committed to this team. Like we've already seen two long-term deals with huge pieces of them uh, being locked up. If they sign Brady and then obviously the captaincy, like if it's him or Shabbat, it doesn't matter. Once they name a captain and have these guys locked in two contracts, I think like we got to put all this stuff from the last few years behind because they are committed to this team and they want to win. Well, I think that like it, a very big talking point of that. And and it, like, it's very clear that through giving Drake Batherson six years, committing to Drake Batherson for six years is showing to the fans that, that this team is in and that management is in and that they're, and I mean, like, if I'm being honest, it's good money. Like I, I think that it's a bit of a deal um, with, with what he's earning for six years. But I think that these long-term commitments are proving that at least for the next six to eight years, the Ottawa Senators fans can appreciate these players. We can, we can cheer for Drake Batherson likely until he's 30 years old on our team and, and within the prime of his career. So I, I think that um, when, when the Dorian, came out and signed Thomas Shabbat and Colin White to their long-term deals. That was a sign of, of good faith. Like that was a sign to the fans. Look, we are committed to this team. We are committed to this rebuild. We are committed to turning things around and being competitive again. And I think that the Drake Batherson deal did just that. And now quite honestly, like I, I do think that a, a Brady Kachuk deal isn't far away. I think that the team really wants to sign him long-term. And I don't think that they're budging on that. And I don't blame them. I think that they want to lock him up for seven to eight years. And I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I mean, like nothing against um, the Tuchuk camp, nothing against his dad, nothing against his brother, nothing against the family. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're just holding on to continue to try to be, to get as much money as possible. Because why wouldn't you? You're, you're a star player in the NHL. I, I'll go ahead and say that. You're going to be a face of a franchise. Why, why wouldn't you try to maximize how much you can get? And maybe that's in the form of signing bonuses. It could be any sort of details that would make it a more legitimate um, argument. So even with the news surrounding Simmer, like I think that whatever, however you take that, take it with a grain of salt. If, if like, I don't think he would just grasp on straws and pull that out of nowhere, but I would still take it as a grain of salt because it could be a bargaining chip in order to kind of get what you want from this team. 
it, it could also mean that maybe like it's being taken out of context because there's no signing bonuses attached to it. And I, I, I think that an eight by eight is quite possibly what Ottawa is offering. I wouldn't be surprised if the Kachuk camp is kind of more so looking at a bridge because I, I personally think it would make more sense for the player, even if he wants to be here long-term um, just because it might maximize how much more he makes by a few million dollars. And I, I guess like, I think that that might be where that discrepancy is. And I think that a solution will come before the end of September. I, I think that a deal will be signed. I think that either Ottawa ends up giving up maybe a signing bonus for, for once, or, or maybe something happens in that regard where um, that kind of they they're able to persuade Brady to sign a longer term deal, but I think that they're close, and I think that as we saw with Drake Batherson, and as Pierre always says, these deals can get done quick, and they've they've left the hardest one for last, but they've shot two out of three to to start uh, well to rolling into September here, and I, I don't think that they're far away with Brady. All right, boys. Uh, well said from both of you. I have to run, but I will say before I leave, that's uh, one interesting choice of jerseys behind you there, Brennan. Have, have a good one, boys. See you, man. Yeah, I just, uh, so for anyone that's listening, not on the video podcast, I, I have the regular Timmy Stew, but I've swapped out my uh, signed McKinnon jersey with the signed Eichel jersey. And it's actually going to to uh, Ryan, um, another Sens fan, because he, he bought it off me, but I wanted I wanted to throw it up uh, one time just to kind of manifest the uh, the Eichel in Ottawa situation and uh, and and kind of have that there. I think um, maybe I'm just kind of trying to breathe this into existence right now. Yeah, I uh, speaking about Eichel, I love this fan base so much because when that uh, Montreal reporter Eric Engels, I think, tweeted that he was getting on a plane in Montreal or something. But it ended up being for the BioSeal camp anyways. But immediately, Sens fans were just like, no direct flights to Ottawa. So he's just trying to get into Ottawa. Like, that that was just awesome. I, I love that stuff. Um, I've kind of moved on from the Eichel thing. I'm just wrapping my head around this team right now. And uh, But, yeah, it, that would be – I mean, obviously, if it happened, I would be ecstatic. That would be a huge move for the team to make. I was also just thinking about this because they signed Drake on Drake Day, let's say, okay, when the album came out. I don't think that's a mistake. I think they actually did that on purpose. They might have had it in place maybe, and then they just pulled the trigger on something. I It seems too good to be true, right? I'm thinking, why not tomorrow, September 7th, sign number seven, right? Maybe that's what they're the angle they're going for. Um, I don't know. We don't know anything. None of the fans really know anything because that's the way the Sens want to keep it. I just, I do think you're right. I think that by the end of by training camp, not just the end of September, by whenever camp is starting, um, the 21st, I think Jacob was saying, uh, that's when I think Brady Kachuk is going to have a contract and a C on his jersey. I think there is going to be some kind of media thing with it um, involved. Well, and honestly, like, I I, I don't, like, I, I think that you are probably onto something. The team has invested a lot of money in marketing and they, they realized that they needed to go through this rebrand and kind of bring, bring in what I think is the nicest jerseys in the league or bring them back. And then they're going through all these processes. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Drake day thing kind of just worked out and they were able to use that. I mean, the same way that Carolina's owner was saying that the $20 signing bonus was just uh, so the social media team could kind of do something and, I mean, like, it makes sense. Like, at the end of the day, like, hockey is a business, and you have to look at different ways to market, and that's something that the Sens is, are definitely focused on right now. I don't know. Like, I, I do think that the September 7th would be would be a pretty cool, uh, a, a, a nice little way to do it. But I definitely do think that the announcement comes with, like, the signing announcement comes with an announcement of a C on a sweater. And I think yeah. that that could be a huge reason why it's taking so long is because Ottawa's made it clear that they want him to be locked in for a long period of time to be able to give him that C. And, and I genuinely think that it, it could be when he's in town, they kind of get to do that unveiling like of the C with like, we've signed your captain to X, X amount of money. And I, I genuinely, I, I, I could totally see it happening. I think that they got robbed a little bit with the Jersey unveiling. Like I know that, 
they're like i think that the way it got executed was still great but i think that they really wanted to do something regarding the draft and covid kind of took that away from mm -hmm. them in a lot of ways like i think that they wanted to have that out for the draft and kind of that be when the unveil happened um so so yeah and i i think that maybe this could be an opportunity to to kind of recapture that excitement and be able to do something cool for fan engagement and uh i i mean yeah, let's let's see. I mean, I'll have to be quick chopping this episode and and try to get it out before tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just get my my prediction to be official. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think that press. We've all everyone's thought about it for over a year, right? That press conference with Kachuk signing the long term deal and having the C on his chest. Like we've all thought about it. It's just it makes too much sense for it to not happen, right? Uh, and I think the thing that threw a wrench in that obviously was Melnick coming out and saying um, that they won't, they don't want their captain on a bridge deal. And then everyone's like, well, oh my God, he's got to sign long-term then just all this stuff. I honestly don't think that they're going to care. I think that one, if they sign him to any kind of deal when they will, because he's a restricted free agent, he has to play here eventually. Uh, unless it, we get a whole William Nylander fiasco going, but the only thing that's going to be happening uh, right now. I do think that this this guy is the captain of the team. They're just waiting until he has a contract to announce it. Um, it, it just, the writing's on the wall. If it was going to be, the, the reason why I think uh, too is, I said this a while ago, but if Shabbat was going to be the captain, they would have named him the captain already. You know what I mean? Like they wouldn't have been waiting for Brady to sign so that they could name Shabbat the captain. I, I think he's going into his second year of that big contract and he signed it probably close to two years ago to the day. Um, right when camp opened, he signed that eight by eight deal. Uh, obviously, it was in a, an extension because he still had a year left on the entry level. But I just think that they would have named Shabbat already because he's what 24 turning 25 in January. Um, so Brady Kachuk's gonna be the captain of this team, it's just a matter of when he signs his deal at this point. Yeah, I think it would almost be like an awkward situation if they did end up naming. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, like Th Thomas Shabal captain, like come training camp, because I, I almost think it's like obvious that Brady is, is their number one choice. And, and for the reasons that you're stating, like, why, why would he not have the C already? If, if that was what they wanted, um, I, I think, I think they know this is their guy and it makes a lot of sense for it. Um, but yeah, like they, they just, they really want to, to have that locked up. And honestly, like a year ago, I genuinely was like, I, I wonder if they're going to use the C as leverage when negotiating a contract with Brady, maybe that's what they're going to kind of uh, use to get him to commit long-term. And it honestly kind of seems like they're doing exactly that. Like, I, I genuinely think it's like, Hey, like, like we want you here. We want you leading our team. And I think he wants to be here. Like, I, I genuinely think he wants to be here long-term, but um, he also wants to get paid what he feels he's worth. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's completely yep. understandable. And he's coming from a situation where, his dad has always, well, maybe not always, but but there was a history of him making sure that he got what he was worth, especially when he signed his $10 million contract, which is a lot of money now, was a lot of money then. And Matthew Kachuk was was kind of a similar thing like with, with his contract negotiations, and he ended up signing that bridge deal. So um, it, it's it's very interesting. I, I'm really excited to see what happens. I, I am almost happy that Ottawa kind of isn't budging on the long-term uh, mm -hmm. like long-term deal by the sounds of it, because I know that that is definitely what I want. Um, and, and hopefully we, we can see that, that see officially on his chest. I know the Martian's done a great job with his Photoshopping <laughs> skills, throwing that C on his chest already. Um, I, I feel like I've just already, that's just how I see Brady now, but, yeah. um, de definitely ready to see that. And hopefully as soon as training camp. I'm, I'm really quickly here, I guess, because we got to go, uh, soonish, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, like you said, those edits, it's just ingrained in my mind at this point. And one thing, though, we haven't we haven't actually heard from Brady this summer, I don't think. I think he did, like, one podcast earlier in the year uh, when the playoffs were still happening. The one, I think it was the one with uh, John Scott, that podcast. Um, but I don't think he's done anything else in terms of media. He's just been, you know, training and going to weddings shirtless. Uh, so <laughs> I don't Brady. Exactly. So he's just enjoying life. And I think, obviously, he wants to be here. Most contract negotiations are between agent and team. Like the players not really involved, right? Like Batherson wasn't in Ottawa. He was at the BioSil camp when, when he signed, right? So it's more of a formal thing or an informal thing. Um, I just think that it, it, it's 
it's a very important contract. I think it would it will be the most important in the rebuild. Uh, this deal that's signed, I think it's gonna have a ripple effect, like Derek was saying, on the rest of the franchise. No, for sure, it's gonna feel like a weight off of our shoulders. Like I, I think for the fans, definitely for the organization, probably for Brady himself. Yeah. And um, I completely agree with the ripple effect thing. And I, honestly, the Drake Batherson signing, I think that that is something that deserves to be celebrated because that that really does set the tone for what kind of contracts players can expect. I think that it's going to be kind of a comparable when we lock in Josh Norris and it, you, you really want to have a culture like that where players are making fair money and not mm-hmm. being paid like ridiculously dare I say like Toronto, because then it just makes it, it turns into, well, this guy's making this. So, so I should, I should get this kind of thing. So um, it, it's, it's a good start. It for sure. And, and we can leave it that, at that. So thank you everyone for tuning in. We really hope that you enjoyed uh, the interview as, as well as the podcast.